What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 34 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is an honor to be on the spiritual leadership journey with you as you are all seeking to be the leaders that you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you. You know, over the course of this 2018 year and beginning back in 2017, hard to believe we're about to wrap up 2018, isn't it? Here we are at the beginning of December. But, you know, we've met some great people, some of whom world famous, knew who they were. Others, I didn't know them. And man, my time with them, I fell in love with them and learned who they were and learned what made them such a great leader in the space that they were in. Then there are those others I not only knew of, but I knew a little bit. But then after sitting down with them, man, it made them made me respect them even more. Today's guest is one of those people. He came out of the University of South Carolina as just a two-star recruit out of high school went to South Carolina, was drafted into the NFL, was with the Chargers and the Chiefs before landing with the Atlanta Falcons, which is where I met Pat DeMarco. Pat was a fullback with the Falcons, and I knew Pat because of his faith. I knew Pat because of our uh, team chapels that I get to attend a couple times a year and, and be with the guys, and, man, I knew the respect the chaplain had for him. I knew the respect his teammates had for him. In 2015, he was nominated for the Walton, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award from the Falcons. It was also in 2015 that he was voted into his first Pro Bowl as a fullback. And, man, Pat has had a great career. Uh, played in the 2016 Super Bowl with the Falcons versus the Patriots and then ended up with the Buffalo Bills where he's making his mark in Buffalo. Pat has had a great career on the field. But what you're going to love is Pat's passion for his faith on and off the field. You know, today's one of those days that it will probably be a little inspirational, at least it was to me, to hear who he is and why he is who he is. So today, I want you to pull out a pen, pull out a notebook, and pull up a chair. And I want you to listen in to my time with the NFL fullback from the Buffalo Bills, Mr. Pat DeMarco. Well, Pat, thank you so much for joining us uh, for today's episode of Lynch with a Leader. It's a blessing to have you, buddy. Oh, thanks for having me. I've been really looking forward to this for a few weeks now. Well, you're a great guy. To, and we were talking before we went on air. I, we met each other and at uh, the Saturday Night Chapels for the Falcons. You know, I, I look back at your career, Pat. When you were growing up, did you dream one day? I mean, were you the typical little boy growing up that said, one day I'm going to play in the NFL? Tell me a little bit about that story. Oh, man. I grew up playing about every sport you could think of. Um, and, you know, I I played fullback, believe it or not, growing up when I was younger. Did fullback you really? You were a fullback but, even growing up. But I got handoffs. You know, back then, <laughs> fullback gets the ball. Now we don't get the ball very much. But, um, I, you know, I, 
when I was younger, I'd sit in the yard playing with my dad and I'd flip my shirt over my neck. Like I had the horse collar on like Mike Allstott. And, you know, now I'm sitting here living it out and it's, uh, it's been an incredible journey. What, was Mike Allstott your hero? Cause you grew up down in Florida outside the Orlando area, didn't you? Yeah, we, um, you know, we've, we always followed the bucks, uh, not too far down in Tampa. So, you know, he was just, uh, an inspiration. I was, I think I was number 40, like my fifth grade year. And then I evolved, um, to 42, 47, kind of in the forties for a while now. (laughs) That is too good, man. Did your natural, was there a lot of natural ability there for the game? I know you played every sport, but did your parents and coaches begin to see pretty early, man, I think he can, I think he can go somewhere with football or were you a late bloomer? Uh, you know, I've, I've always been a really aggressive kid in whatever sport I've done. I, you know, playing baseball, I hit, I hit the ball a long ways when I made contact with it, which was, you know, a few and far between sometimes. And, uh, you know, I always played when I played basketball, I played down low and I was one of the bangers. I was in foul trouble. And, um, you know, I was always the linebacker fullback. I think I even played offensive line when I was real young. So physicality and that stuff has always been one of my better attributes. So football seemed to, to mold in the, uh, the thing I could do best. So coming out of high school, I know you're a two-star rival scout. Um, you know, kids, kids today, they live, they live for their ranking. They live for, I work with the local high school football team. They want to know what their ranks mm-hmm. are. They want to know where they're at. You're coming out. You had UCF, you had USF, you had some of the other schools. What was it that drew you to go into South Carolina? So you leave your home state to go up, go up north from Florida to uh, South Carolina. What was the draw to be a Gamecock? Well, first of all, I had to beg for that two-star. I don't think I was on any of those things for a long time. And uh, I thanks, thanks to we had a really good senior year. My senior year of high school, we played for the state championship, ended up losing, but um, had a really good year. And that's I think that's the only way I got two stars. But, you know, I was kind of under the radar, not recruited really heavily, um, just didn't really care about it too much. I, I knew I'd get a chance to walk on somewhere if a uh, scholarship didn't happen. and you know, I've always been someone to just work my tail off. So I knew that an opportunity would arise somewhere. And, um, you know, towards the end of my junior year, I started getting recruited, uh, mainly by the Florida schools and some division two, um, smaller schools, but, you know, um, both my parents went to the university of Florida. My grandparents live in Gainesville. Um, so I grew up a huge Florida Gator fan. I mean, shoot, I probably went to four home games a year when I was younger, and yeah, I wasn't two star doesn't kind of get you into the university of Florida on a scholarship. So coach Spurrier, next best thing coach Spurrier offered me. And, you know, I grew up, uh, you know, Heisman trophy winner, won some national championships at Florida. So that was, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime. I was blessed to receive a scholarship there. Um, one there kind of not knowing what exactly was going to happen, what position I was going to play. I was recruited as an athlete, probably the slowest athlete you ever seen, <laughs> but I was recruited as an athlete. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of my freshman year, I played, started at fullback. I switched to outside linebacker, moved to like a defensive rush end during camp the first few weeks. Uh, and then our full, our starting fullback got hurt and they moved me back to fullback. Uh, and I kind of been there for the rest of the time and played four years there. Um, believe it or not, a two-star prospect set, set the school record for 
games played in in a career at the University of South Carolina that's been broken since. But um, you know, it's it was it was an awesome journey. What was it like to play for Spurrier? You know, it's so funny because you see this bombastic personality on television, the guy throwing his visor or wearing the quarterback out on the sideline. I have heard from people that know him that he's one of the greatest people you'll ever meet. What was it What was it like to be up close and personal there for a few years with a guy that you've watched four games a year from the bleachers at Florida? What was that like? Oh, it was incredible. I learned, you know, so much. I, Kurt Spurrier is a big attribute to why I'm doing what I'm doing now because I learned so much from him. And, you know, he kind of took me under his wing. Um, you know, I've always been a very smart player, but athletically I've, you know, what you see is what you get. I'm not the most athletic player in the world, but, um, you know, he's such a great offensive mind. He's just figured out ways to get matchups and set up plays and shoot. I remember when I was in college, he installed a game. Oh, shoot, we were playing Kentucky because the uh, the play he installed was called Bluegrass. And we're sitting there, and he installs the play. And we're, like all the players on the team are looking around, like, "What is going? What is this guy thinking with this play? This is just ridiculous. There's no way it's going to work." First play of the game, we call it. We gained 15 yards, and we're like, "Wow! All right." <laughs> So he's, you know, I learned so much from him and he's, he's an amazing person, an amazing coach, an amazing mentor. Um, You know, he's done some incredible things and, you know, it's, you know, it was a big time blessing uh, being able to play college ball under somebody like that. Did, did, were there any things he did, Pat, that you look back that you go, man, that was a nugget of leadership that I know he figured out probably the school of hard knocks but yet he got the best out of guys. Were there any little things that he did that you said, man, these were, these are takeaways for me even now, beyond just that brilliance of his mind, were there any leadership style things he did that really stood out to you? I think, you know, when you're in it, it seems, you know, it's hard, but he he was very critical and he had super high expectations. And, you know, I think that, is why you get guys to play so well is because you set the, you set the bar high and that's what's expected. And that's what he did. He, he set the bar high. Sometimes we fell short and, you know, sometimes on, on a Monday after a Saturday game and you didn't play well, you know, he's going to chew you out pretty good, but, but then on Tuesday, he's going to pat you on the butt and say, Hey, let's pick it up. You, you got it in you. Um, so he was very critical, but he was also uplifting and did a really good job of, of, uh, you know, getting guys going and getting guys motivated, getting the best out of them. Um, and you can see that from guys like Connor Shaw, an undersized quarterback, uh, guys like Marcus Lattimore, who had amazing careers, injuries, but, you know, through that is doing amazing things still with his youth work and now uh, mentoring at the university. So uh, I think, you know, Coach Burry impacted a lot of players during his time in South Carolina. So you you finished your time at South Carolina. You set the games played in record. You get and you're an undrafted, correct, going in the NFL by the Chiefs. And tell tell no, us a actually, little bit about the beginning of that story into the NFL. Yeah, I was undrafted. I actually signed in San Diego first. That's right, uh, San Diego first. That's right. Broke my foot third day of training camp. Um, you know, I, I thought it was done before it even had a chance to start non-contact injury just made a cut and my foot popped and 
you know, being as stubborn as I am, I sat there and I finished practice, went in the training room, said, Hey, my foot hurts. Can I get some ice? And they're like, eh, not that easy. Let us check this foot out. And, uh, ended up finding out that I had a Jones fracture in my foot and they had to do, uh, surgery and I missed the entire year. Um, which, you know, that was, it's pretty tough for a kid who's chasing a dream undrafted guy, knowing my opportunity is very limited and I need a needed to take advantage of every chance I had. Um, so that was a, that was a tough time in life because, you know, you, you, you feel lost, you feel broken. I mean, I'm an East coast boy out on the West coast, you know, kind of just by myself, um, trying to figure it out. But, you know, I mean, all that, I think all that happened for a reason. I think the scars and the trials and tribulations have, have been a huge part of my success now and, and why I work so hard and why I grind so hard. So you, you, you're with the chiefs next, you get picked up by the chiefs for the last, what the last five games of that next season. Is that correct? That you played in? They signed me. Yeah. They signed me during training camp. Um, and I ended up, uh, getting put on their practice squad, which ended up being a huge blessing because I missed an entire year of football the year before when I was hurt. Um, so I went through training camp, you know, trying to figure out how to play football again. If you don't play football for a year yeah. and didn't even really get the, the NFL experience, just going from college to the NFL is, is hard enough as it is when you have a buffer year where you don't do anything made it even harder. So it was, you know, it was kind of a blessing to be on a practice squad because I got the feel I learned how to be a pro. I was, I was probably annoying to a lot of the vets because I was like a backpack following them around. What is he doing? Why is he doing this? Um, so that year, those 11 games when I was on the practice squad leading up to when I got activated were, you know, those were huge for me because I learned how to be a pro. I was, you know, I was 22, 23 years old trying to figure it out. And, uh, so those 11 weeks really helped me. And so I finished the last five games. We didn't have the greatest season. I would say, I think we went two and 14 that year and had a, uh, had a lot of turnover in the roster and I drew one of the short sticks and was released. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that kind of, that goes back to those, those scars. And, you know, I was told basically I wasn't good enough and, you know, I got another chance to do it in Atlanta and I signed there a few weeks later and, um, you know, and I, you know, there's another opportunity that I was super excited and blessed about. And, uh, you know, I spent four great years in Atlanta, learned under some amazing coaches, some amazing players. Um, and, oh man, it's been, a, it's been a great journey. So you, you you made a reference, and I think a lot of people listening in, Pat would go, "Well, I mean, football's football, high school, college, pro." And, and you made a you made a note, and you said the difference between the college game and the pro game missing that year. Why is that such a big thing? That there's a difference between it, it's the same game, but it's a different game. What what does that mean to you? Oh, it's just you know, it's, it's the best of the best. Um, you know, there's, what do you, you have a hundred guys on, on a college roster. Um, and I'm sure I don't even know how many schools there are. Well, you pick, what is there? There's seven rounds, 32 picks, only 200 guys each year get a chance to get drafted, to come into this league. And, you know, probably 70% of those guys make a roster. So it's the best of the best. And you're coming into a league where, um, the playbook is bigger. The game is faster. Um, so much more is expected out of you. Mm. It's a job. Um, all the stressors, you know, in, in the media nowadays blows everything up. So that's just an added stressor 
Um, so there's just, there's so much more that goes into the game than going to class, going to meetings, working out, playing on Saturday, repeat, because there aren't, you know, your job isn't on the line. You don't get fired in college. And that's uh, <laughs> the type of stuff that happens in the NFL. You know, you have a bad game, you drop a pass, you miss a tackle. Tuesday, are you going to be there? So right. those little things are, you know, are they take a toll on you, but, you know, they also drive you to, to for future success. Did, did you find yourself worrying a lot in those early days? So you go from the Chargers, man, the broken foot happens, the Chiefs pick you up, you finish – they let you go. You get picked up by the Falcons. Did you find was worry something that that bothered you a lot back then, in your early part of your career? Well, yeah, one hundred percent. You know, it's it's hard when you know, what was it, uh, three times being told you're not good enough for this league, but having the confidence in yourself. That's what kind of got me through because I knew, I knew I could play in this league. I knew I had the capability. I knew I had the you know, I knew I had the mental capacity to come in and, you know, take on a playbook. You know, I, I, that's why that practice squad years, I learned to be a pro mm. um, and stuff like that. I, I, I knew, I knew I had the talent and I knew I just needed the chance. And, um, you know, thankfully coach Mike Smith and, uh, and TD signed me in Atlanta and gave me that chance. So you come in the Falcons, you, you were there at the end of, those were the years I was with the Falcons a lot. You were there at the end of Coach Smith's time, the beginning of Coach Quinn's time. What was it about Atlanta that for you was exactly what you needed? What was it that you say, man, this, because your career went from a team dropping you to 2015 going to your first Pro Bowl. What, what mm -hmm. changed about your whole trajectory during that time in Atlanta? Well, I think so. I had uh, I played two years under Mike Smith, and then two years under um, Coach Quinn. And it was, you know, I was uh, born and raised in Orlando, Florida. Played my college ball at South Carolina. Being in Georgia, I'm in the Southeast. I felt more at home. That was one thing that was big for me. Um, you know, I was familiar with the people, the area, all that stuff. So that was, uh, you know, that believe it or not, that helped a lot. But um, I think it was just the way the organization in Atlanta was run. I mean, class act from top to bottom, Mr. Blank sets the example. Um, you know, he's still to this day, one of the greatest men I know and have ever worked for. Um, and it's, I think it just, it stems down and, and it just, I, I don't know how to really explain it, but it was just the opportunity that I didn't want to let slip through my hands because it already had, uh, two times before. So I, I knew that I was called to Atlanta for a reason. And I knew that whatever I did, I was going to leave it all on the field. And, um, you know, thankfully it all worked out. Was it crazy going from the guy carrying a scout team playbook to a guy getting an invitation to go and play with the greatest athletes in the world and the greatest players in the league at the pro bowl? What was that experience like for you? You know, I'm, I love sports. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of athletes will sit there and say, you know, if I'm not playing, I don't watch it. I'm the opposite. I love sports. I mean, that's, I played everything growing up. I love basketball, baseball, football, soccer. I mean, anything with the ball, like I'm attracted to. Um, so 
I was, you know, playing in my first pro ball, I was a little starstruck seeing guys like Larry Fitzgerald and um, Cam Newton and all these guys that, you know, are, are the best of the best. And to be in the presence of them held at the same standard, um, it was it was really cool. And I was lucky enough. Uh, my wife was pregnant at the time, so she couldn't come with us out to California. But my mom and dad were able to come. And as much as I love sports, my dad loves them. Wow. 10 times more. So, I mean, it was, it was an incredible experience and I was glad that, uh, my dad and mom were able to join in that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of surreal, but then, you know, it's the game I've been playing since I was in third grade. So, you know, being with those guys was playing at that level was awesome, but I know it's also expected of me and, you know, going from carrying, you know, the bag, being on a practice squad player and giving being on the look team and this and that, like that was my job at the time, but I was preparing like a starter, you know, so you can't, you can't sit there and get content with where you're at and being on the practice squad. There's, there's a goal. And I set my goal. My goal was to be the best fullback in the NFL and, you know, and I worked my tail off and, you know, finally, finally made it to that position. That's great. So you you were a part of the Atlanta squad that made it almost all the way, weren't you? And, yeah, it was my that was my last year Patriots, in Atlanta. Yeah. Still well, have some scars there. Oh man, <laughs> I think we all do, man. I remember yeah. uh, that night. I guess Jay Webb and I were talking right after the game was over. He was in the locker room with you guys, and and I was telling him I was praying for him. What was that experience like as a as an athlete, a driven athlete who has a goal in mind, and that's every team's goal is to make it to that level. What was it like to have it so close, but but it you didn't finish you didn't finish the drill. It didn't it didn't end up the scoreboard didn't end up the way we wanted. What did that do to you as a player? How hard was that to get over? Yeah, I mean, there's still scars, but those scars are are tucked away and I'm using those scars as drivers kind of like my, my entire career. Hey Pat, you're not good enough. You're loose. Hey Pat, you, you fell one game sort of being a, you know, being a champion. Um, so although it was tough and, you know, it, it took a few weeks to kind of swallow it and be, and just to know that we were so close and, but you know, I, I'm, I'm confident that I'll get another chance and that's, that's what I'm working towards every day up here in Buffalo that's what we're working towards as an organization is that's the end goal. You know, you try to get in the playoffs and once you get in the playoffs, then you got a chance to get into the big show. When you get a chance in the big show, you got a chance to wear a ring. So, um, you know, it's, you know, you got to set that goal and set that goal high and work towards it and, you know, leave it all out there. And I love that. And I love the story, Pat, of going from an, uh, a two-star that you said you begged for those two stars, a two-star guy who goes <laughs> to South Carolina who earns his stripes, really floating between DN and outside linebacker to fullback to undrafted to cut to scout team to team to let go. Then you get to the Falcons. Then you sign a four-year contract with the Bills and and really recognize, I think, across the NFL as the premier fullback in the NFL. And just as a, as a fan in Atlanta, you can see the difference a fullback makes. 
that that just knowing the system and knowing the knowing how they're the they're the guy that clears the path. I remember years ago sitting outside chapel one Saturday night. Ovi Mahaley was talking about. He said, "I run with the eyes of a tailback, and all he's got to do mm-hmm. is run on my shoulder, and I clear the way." I remember yep. him saying that, and we've thought we've talked about that a million times at the high school football team that I'm a chaplain for. They they still run with a fullback, and we talk about those mm-hmm. conversations. So now you're in Buffalo, and they haven't had the best last few years, and you get brought in as not only a great fullback but a team leader. What did you guys begin to do to begin to change the culture of your locker room, of the team, and to really create a new winning atmosphere up there? What's what's some of the story of what's been going on behind the scenes? Uh, well, I think it, you know, that kind of same situation starts uh, from the top down with the owners, the, Terry and Kim Pagula. They, you know, they're very involved and in they're around and they, you know, they, they expect to win. Um, and, uh, you know, my first year with also Sean McDermott, our, our head coach's first year. And, um, you know, and his whole thing was he wanted to change the culture. And that's why he signed several of the guys that he signed, like myself, Micah Hyde, um, um, other receivers, other defensive guys to come in and, and change the culture. And, um, and that's what we, that's what we attempted to do. We, you know, we, we made it in the playoffs. That wasn't end goal, but you know, we're working towards, you know, the big goal and that's uh, winning the Super Bowl. But I think it, it started from the owners and then passed down to the head coach and then passed down to our position coaches onto the leaders of the team. And then the leaders of the team were the guys that were taking the young guys under their wings. Hey buddy, you're not, you're not, you're here for a reason. You're not here just to, just to be a part of this team and just to be a part of the ride. You're going to make plays this year that are going to win and lose those games. You're going to, you know, impact to the community. You're going to do things here in Buffalo that are going to, you know, mark you here for, for a long time. And I, you know, I just think that that was, that was so big. And that was part of the culture that it didn't have here that coach McDermott brought here and that he brought with his free agency class with his coaching staff. Um, so I think it was an all around group effort and well executed. Man, that's good. Well, and you you can see it, and man, you can you can feel it. You can feel when teams begin to buy into culture and they begin to buy into this process. But I know Pat, as much as you've been recognized on the field, there there's another side of you that that's a driving side. Tell me a little bit about the faith journey you've been on through these years, where did it begin? And, and what, what is your walk with Christ like now? Tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a Lutheran church down in uh, Altamont Springs, Florida, um, really had zero interest in it. When I was growing up, I went through, um, communion and confirmation and did all that, but, you know, I was itching to play in an AAU baseball tournament on Sunday or play basketball after church or do that. So I wasn't, you know, I didn't have that focus. Um, and then when I went off to college, that was probably the biggest growth I had was going off, being on my own, you know, making some poor decisions and learning those repercussions and then meeting up with, uh, our FCA director and our team chaplain at the university of South Carolina, Adrian Dupre and Jack Easterby. And, 
I think they saw my heart, knew my heart was good, but knew I was just a little lost. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, thankful for them. They, they caught me before, you know, too much bad happened and kind of steered me in the right direction. And, you know, I, I knew God, I knew Jesus, but not on the intimate level that I know him now. And I think that that, you know, was, that was huge for my growth and, and kind of, you know, I'm, I'm still growing day by day. We're, we're imperfect people in an imperfect world, but we have a perfect God. So, yeah. um, we're, we're blessed that he took up the cross because there'd be no way to heaven without him. How, how does your faith drive you now? So, I mean, there, I think it's easy to look in from the outside and go, well, I mean, your faith is just something you do on Sundays or for you guys on Saturday nights. How does your faith influence the kind of husband you are and the kind of father you are and the kind of football player you are? What would you say? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we're all put on this, on this earth for a reason. And, you know, God gifted us with whatever our talents and gifts are, you know, whether it be an athletic ability, uh, leadership ability, whether it be just knowledge or whatever it is, you know, that's a gift from God. Mm. So why, why not use that to the best of your ability to honor God in everything you do? And, you know, that, that's more towards the football side, but it's also towards the family side, you know, you know, God gifted me with a beautiful wife and my wife, Kirsten, and gifted me with a beautiful son and my son, Weston, and, and our daughter on the way. Why am I going to take those things for granted? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go all out for them. I'm going to go all out in my marriage. I'm going to go all out as a father and, you know, and honor God along the way and, and keep him involved in everything we do. Who's been the biggest spiritual driver for you? You mentioned Jack Easterby and your chaplain there at uh, South Carolina. Who have been some spiritual mentors to you that you said, man, these guys have poured into me and helped me become who I am and, and becoming who I'm supposed to be. Who are some of your spiritual mentors? Uh, definitely Jack Easterby. He, um, you know, even from, from college when he was our FCA director, it was, you know, he would, he was punching me in the face with, with the word and stuff. You know, I still fought it, but I still, I showed up every week and I did the Bible studies and I, you know, I tried, I tried, I tried unsuccessful, but I still knew God and I still was growing, but I, you know, I wasn't all there. And then that year I was hurt in San Diego and uh, broke my foot. And that was, that was probably the biggest year for me. Uh, with my spiritual growth and Jack Easterby had a lot to do with that. He, I was back in Columbia doing my rehab therapy, um, trying to figure out life. And he, uh, I remember meeting up with him at Groucho's deli and having lunch with him one day. Uh, and he said, Pat, let's do this about once a week. Cause I know, I know you need me and I know that I need you. And it's, we're, we're meant to meet and talk and, you know, just love on each other. And, you know, we sat, it had to be, you know, 20, 15, 20 weeks. We met at Groucho's Deli, ate lunch, dug into the word. And, you know, I, you know, I was in a dark place when I got mm -hmm. released and I, when I was hurt and everything like that. And I thought my career was cut short and I didn't get the chance. And he just, you know, Jack just poured it into me that, you know, God's got you. Like, you're fine. Let go and let God. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that really, that really hit me. and. Um, kind of my spiritual growth has kind of taken off like a wildfire since then. 
what what would you say, Pat, is the purpose God put you on earth for? As you look back at your life and you you go, man, I, I see what I'm doing now. I see how I've been blessed. I see how, you know, my gifts and abilities are being used. Why do you think God, why do you think God created you the way he created you? What do you think your purpose is? Yeah, I mean, that's a really deep question. Um, you know, it's one that, you know, is is hard to answer, but I think, you know, just I think God put me here to love people and to be a part of a community. And, you know, whether that's the team I'm on right now or whether that's, you know, my home community back in Atlanta or doing community service up here in Buffalo, there's a lot of people that are in need for a smile, a hug, a conversation. And, you know, a lot of people overlook that type of stuff. And, you know, I've, I guess I've been in dark places before and that hug, that conversation like I've had with with Jack when he kind of found me after I got hurt, like those took me out of some really dark places and put me in a good place. So there's so many opportunities for us to impact people that need it. And you don't know if they, and you will never know unless you just have a conversation and smile and open up. And so I think, I think that's why God put me here is, you know, just, just to love on people and, you know, just to try to be a disciple. I mean, that's, that's the end goal for, for all of us Christians is to lead more people to Jesus Christ. And, you know, that's, you know, it's a tough thing to do. Um, but it's, you know, it's the ultimate goal. Absolutely. Well, man, I, you know, and I love it. I know that you were nominated for man of the year by the Falcons, the Walter Payton man of the year award for all the community service you did while you're here in Atlanta. And I was reading up on you and all that you're doing up in Buffalo, dude, you're doing a great job. You really are doing a great job. I know there's a there's a phrase we use a lot at North Star. God never brings you through what he brought you through to not help someone else get through what they're going through. And man, the jack the jacks of the world and those people that walk in when everybody else is walking out, you know, you never know when that's going to be you for somebody else one day. And I'm I'm really really proud of you. You know, I know a lot of young athletes Pat listen into this what's something you would tell a high school athlete, a college athlete that you've learned is that you, you've got on now you're on in your career. You're pretty established. You'd be considered in the NFL. You're definitely considered a veteran in the NFL just for years of service. What, what would you tell some young guys that may never make it to the pros, but high school guy wanting to get to college, a college guy wanting to get to the pros, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, whatever it is, What's some advice you would love from lessons you've learned to pass on to them? Oh, there's so many. Um, I would say probably the the biggest one is just to believe in yourself and believe in, in, in your talents, your abilities. Um, you know, God didn't give you what he gave you for no reason. He gave, gave it to you so that you could go out and, and do it and do it free and bless people in what you're doing. And, you know, like football is an entertainment sport and a lot of people love football and we, you know, me playing on Sunday brings joy to so many people. And, you know, that's, and it's because God gave me the gift to do it. So I would say just, you know, go all out in everything you do and believe in yourself and, um, you know, just work your tail off. I mean, that's, you know, what is it? What is the saying? Uh, talent or hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's exactly right. And that's something something that, you know, is, is stuck with me because I'm not the most 
talented player in the world, but I would put my work ethic up against anybody in this league. Um, so that's been a huge driver for my success. What, what do you see for you? The day comes and the, I know, uh, I don't know how well you knew Trap. I know he was in Buffalo right before you left, right before you got up there. He had just left. I remember him saying something one day. He said, you know, Mike, for every player, there comes the day they have the conversation. Your services are no longer needed and it's time to hang it up. And the cleats are hung up and the helmets hung up. What does what do you see Pat DeMarco doing the rest of his journey? What 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 do you think is that next step when five, 10, 15 years from now, whatever it is, when your playing career is done, what do you see as next for you? You know, I've thought about that for so many sleepless nights at times when I thought I thought my days were done in this league. Um and, you know, there's a few avenues that I'm interested in. I'm, I really couldn't put my finger on it. I know that it's really hard to get away from what you love. Yeah. And I love this game. And I think that's, you know, a lot to do with why I've done it for so long. And just the, you know, because I know this, it, it's been so hard to do that I just have so much respect for the game that this is what I love. So I could see myself getting into coaching, um, you know, and I think, I think more my calling and coaching would be to impact young men. Um, you know, I had some amazing college coaches that, you know, mentored me and that they're part of the reasons that I'm still playing this game too. Um, and I'd love to do that for, for, you know, 18, 19 year old kids who are lost. Cause I've been there, done that. Yeah. Should have wrote a book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, but it's, um, I think there's a calling for me in that avenue. Um, and then, you know, I've, I've also seen secondhand so many guys in this league who have made a good bit of money, just, you know, do a lot of dumb things with it. So I think um, the finance world will also be something I'm interested in just uh, helping people, you know, helping people for their future. Um, because, you know, it, this league is a huge head start in life, especially from, from financial um, avenues. And it, it you know, it, it breaks my heart to see guys get out of this league and not have any money. Um, and I'd love to help guys, you know, be able to preserve that money and, you know, have a legacy with, you know, with their funds future for their kids to go to college and for their kids to be able to have a, uh, successful life. So I, th I think that's another avenue I'm, I'm very interested in. That's really good. Well, Pat, a as a guy that's been a fan of yours, continues to be a fan of yours, I can't say I'm a registered Bill Bills Mafia member, but I will tell you, you have got, you've got lots of fans out there, buddy. And keep living the way you're living. Keep making the difference you are. And uh, I know this, that you, you are living out the purpose for this season, especially that God created you for man. And I'm honored that you took time to be with us today. Oh, Mike, thanks for having me. This was, this was a lot of fun. I, I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that time with Pat. You know, there's a word that comes out typically in every interview. There's a word that strikes me from my time with someone. And I, I think the word for Pat was depth. You know, so many times I, I see a guy in chapel or I read their testimony in Sports Spectrum magazine or I know of their faith. And, of course, I knew of Pat's faith from being in chapels. But to hear his story, there's a depth there. He is not 
a football player who happens to go to church. He is a believer of Jesus and a follower of Jesus who happens to play football. And man, what I love about that is his passion for the Lord is equal to his passion for the game of football. And uh, man, Pat, you you are a stellar, stellar individual. And for those young athletes out there listening in, I think of a lot about what when we talked to Trey Burton a few months ago. Man, what a guy to aspire to be. You know, Paul said it in the New Testament. He said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I pray that we have some young athletes that go, you know what, I don't know exactly what it's all going to look like, but I hope my faith and my journey and my story looks a little like Pat DeMarco. And if you do that, your life will be a life that makes a difference. Thank you so much, Pat, for sharing your story and your journey with us. I know we're all better for it. Well, we'll continue again next week. We're rolling out a couple of these each week for a month. When we sit down with the University of Tennessee Women's Athletic Director, Miss Joan Cronin, she retired as one of the most successful athletic women's athletic directors in history. She was very involved in the Title IX uh, process that now is available in NCAA athletics. She was a teammate as a leader of the incredible uh, Pat Summit the winningest women's basketball coach in history, and many would argue one of the top basketball coaches of any uh, male or female in history. And her lessons we learn from her faith and how she led spiritually and led her to be the person she was created to be are remarkable. One of my most fascinating times was sitting down with Joan Cronin, and I absolutely loved it. And so will you. So I hope today you'll take time to subscribe. Studies find that we will listen to podcasts, but the ones we listen to most regularly are the ones that come to our inbox every week. So I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify Radio. I hope that you'll listen in there. Just type in Lynch with a Leader, L-I-N-C-H, with a Leader. Take time also to hit a review on one of those so others will know, and it helps us become more known to people that may not know who we are. Thank you so much for listening in today, and I'm praying for you as you seek to be the leader that God created you to be in the space and the place that he's put you. I pray that you have a great, great day. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.